and perfect. We are not to be conformed, but rather we are to be transformed. Jesus regularly pruned his disciples with these teachings. He did this to cut away those who were just curious about who he was and what he was about. He did this to cut away those who didn't really believe. He did this to cut away those who loved sin more than they loved God. In many ways, he still does this today. In many ways, he still does this today. How? He forces us to choose between Christian living, or rather to choose Christian living over sinful living, to choose the Bible way over man's way, to choose church life over worldly life, to choose quality over quantity, to choose purity over popularity, to choose devotion over dynamic. Those are the choices we as as disciples of Christ Jesus, as Christians, as followers of Christ, whichever one of those terms you want to use, they all mean the same thing. Those are the choices we have before us every day. Is it going to be Christian life or sinful life that we're going to choose today? The Bible way or man's way that we're going to choose today? Church life or worldly life we're going to choose today? Quality or quantity? Which are we going to choose? Purity or popularity? Devotion or dynamic? Event 101. Parable of lost people and things. So once the banquet is over, Jesus moves about the general populace and is crowded by publicans and sinners who, who also want to hear him teach. They want to hear him preach. The Pharisees and the scribes, they grumble. They grumble about this, accusing Jesus of associating with, with, with and eating with sinners and undesirables. His response to their criticism was to tell the crowd several parables. The parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin. The parable of the lost son. The point of all of these was twofold. Number one, God searches for those that are lost, even if it's only one. Number two, God rejoices when the lost are found, no matter how lost they were. And, you know, sometimes we think like that. I am so lost, God can never find me. Really? (laughs) Boy, you in for a surprise. The Pharisees and the Jews in general have forgotten something. They had forgotten God's mission, and they had forgotten their purpose. Now, would you believe me if I told you God's mission and their purpose was the same thing? Would you believe me? Yes? Okay. Does anybody want to take a gander at what that same thing is? God's mission and their purpose. How about this? God's mission was to save lost man. Their purpose was to save lost man. They thought God simply chose them as his people, and God said, the rest of you, forget about you. 
they missed a point. Jesus reminded the sinners that there was hope for them. But not only that, he rebuked the Jews for having neglected their original mission. Their original mission, just like ours, to be a light unto the Gentiles and prepare the way for the coming of the Savior to the entire world, not just the Jews. Parable, I mean, event 102. We have the parable of the unjust Steward and the rich man and Lazarus. Boy, we hear about Lazarus again. But Christ Jesus is still not in Bethany. Okay. The, the parables spoken to the crowds were followed by two parables shared only with his disciples. This was probably done as they traveled going to Bethany, but not quite there yet, where Lazarus waited. So one parable was that of the unjust steward. This parable focuses on a disciple's need to serve only God and to do so sincerely. Jesus makes several points, including the idea that if one is faithful in a little, he will be faithful in a lot. And the idea that you cannot use worldly attitudes and methods in the kingdom of God. The rich man in Lazarus, this parable warns that the proper use of one's wealth and blessings is to serve the needs of others, especially those who suffer. It also shows the finality of judgment, if you will, once it is pronounced. Jesus warned, Jesus warned that his word would be the standard by, by which we are judged. We need to understand it. We need to accept it. We need to believe it. Those who saw signs as well as those who didn't will both be judged based on the obedience of Jesus' words. One oh three. More instruction to the Pharisees. Lazarus must be a patient man. Again, Luke describes further teachings and training that Jesus gives his disciples as they travel toward Bethany. Jesus gives a serious warning to those who would make others stumble, especially children. Other subjects include teachings on being generous in forgiveness. We understand forgiveness, right? But when you use the term generous in forgiveness, what are your thoughts on that? Generous in forgiveness. Yes. Ready. Ready, willing, and freely giving it, not reluctantly. All right. Yeah. Any others? Give forgiveness to anyone, yes. So you're telling me, even if I don't ask you to forgive me, you can forgive me and don't even worry about it. That's it. All right. Anybody else? I like what was said because that's my mindset too. 
I'm going to forgive you whether you ask me to or not. I'm going to forgive you whether you tell me you accept it or not. Because God says, vengeance is mine. <laughs> okay? And God tells me, as a follower of Christ Jesus, as his child, God tells me, as much as depends on me, be at peace with everyone. I can't be at peace with you if I'm running around there being mad at you. But if I forgive you, you can be mad at me all day long. I just took the burden off me by forgiving you. That's being generous in forgiveness. He also, it also includes uh, teaching on the power of faith, where we are told we, we, if we had the faith of a mustard seed, we can say to this mountain to move, and it will be moved. We're not going to walk out there trying to prove we got the faith of a mustard seed and tell the dollar to move, no. But that obstacle that's standing in front of me that's looked like a mountain, my faith, I can tell it to get out of my way. Satan is a mountain. Just like Christ Jesus, he was tempted in the, in, the, in the wilderness there. What did he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. And what did Satan do? He do. He moved. He moved. And finally, the duty of disciples to serve the Lord. Those were the things he was teaching them. Jesus says that these things are the natural duties of those who would be disciples. Notice I said the natural duties. We as followers of Christ Jesus, we are disciples. These things will become natural to us. Much of the disciples and apostles' training took place during these type trips. Event 104. Jesus raises Lazarus. Now, Bethany was about... As we say, they're about two and a half, three miles from Jerusalem. But where they were initially in Perea, that was about an eight hours walk from Jerusalem. So in, in other words, it should have taken them about eight hours a day, you might say, a, a daylight to go from where they were to where Lazarus was. It has taken Jesus at least four days to get there. Probably more since Lazarus is already buried and in the tomb. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. Now, I'm going to say something in a minute. I want you to think about what, what I'm going to say about Martha and what I'm going to say about Mary on how they reacted when they saw Jesus when he finally arrived. And their brother was already buried and placed in a tomb, right? Think, now, listen to what happened here. So, Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. Jesus, as we said last week and a few weeks ago, Jesus stayed at their home whenever he was in Jerusalem because it was a short walk from where they lived to get to the temple there in Jerusalem. So first Martha meets Jesus. She meets him before he gets to the village. And naturally, her brother's dead. Her brother's been buried. Naturally, she is upset. She's upset because he didn't get there in time. But she wants reassurance. Her brother is saved and will be resurrected in the future. Think about what Martha was asking. Let's get to Mary. Mary also met him. Now Mary is more bold in saying that he could have saved her brother Lazarus from death had he come. She is overcome with grief. What is the difference between what these two women were saying? What is the difference? What is the difference in their concern, it seems? Yes. That's it. 
That's exactly it. That's exactly what it's about. Thank you. Woo, I like that. So Jesus. Oh, did just oh I forgot. We, we had the uh, video going on, I mean the uh, stream going on here. The response was, one which was physical, the other was eternal. And that Martha was more about the eternal, Mary was more about the physical. But both got what they wanted. <laughs> both got what they wanted. Jesus is overwhelmed by human emotion at the death of his friend Lazarus. He's also overwhelmed with emotion by the sorrow that he has caused in his delay so with only a few words, he called Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And you know what? Lazarus, um, Lazarus came out, still bound up. He came out. And Christ Jesus said, loose him. In Jesus' prayer, we learn that the reason for the delay was to be able to perform this great miracle. But not only that, to glorify God through Lazarus' death. It was also done... It was also done this way to provide yet another sign of his identity as the Messiah. Event 105. The high priest decide to put Jesus to death. Now, as I go, I'm going to mention these individuals in a moment. I want you to look at it as a clock, right? Like you got 12 o'clock. 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Then you want to draw a line from 12 to 3, from 3 to 6, from 6 to 9, from 9 to back to 12. Okay. So some who saw the miracle were amazed and they believed. Others, well, it looked like they were there to report. They brought the news to the Jewish religious leaders. They acknowledge the great power that Jesus has. They, that's amazing. We can say, yeah, we know he got this. We know he got this. Right? They acknowledged it. But their reaction is fear. Not fear of God, but fear that their authority, fear that their position would be challenged. So what did they decide to do? They decided to kill him. So now this clock that I was just showing you, 12 o'clock to King. Three o'clock, the religious fanatics. Six o'clock, the lawyers. Nine o'clock, the high priests. All of them were now in league to take Jesus' life. And you draw a line from each one of those, and now it's fair to say that the circle of enemies was complete. And it was time for Christ Jesus to go. Event 106, our last one for the day. Jesus retreats to the north. Once again, Jesus avoids the situation where he could be taken before the time was right. He heads north near the border of Samaria, not quite in the region of Galilee. He stayed in a place called Ephraim. Here he would stay. Here he would minister until the final Passover week when he would return to Jerusalem for the climax of his ministry. So there are two lessons I want us to gain here about Jesus. Two lessons I want us to gain about Jesus. 
I would ask you what, what, what do you think they are, but it, could, it can be all over the world. So I want to bring us back here because of time. So two lessons. Number one is this. Jesus was focused. Know that in all the activity, in all of the traveling, in all of the threats, in all of the confrontations, Jesus remained focused on one thing and one thing only. He remained focused on his ministry to the people. He spent little time, little time defending himself against his detractors, or hiding out from those who wish to kill him. He left Jerusalem and went to another area, but he didn't go to a cave. He continued to preach. He continued to, continue to minister. He continued to teach. He didn't hide. He just left that area from those people that were seeking to kill him at that point because it wasn't yet his time. Also, he did not use up time feeling sorry for himself or, or, or being depressed. He remained on task every day, teaching and training his disciples, preaching to the crowds, dealing with the strives, and ministering to the people. Let's fast forward to us today. There will always be distractions. There will always be obstacles in our Christian lives. And you don't believe me, try serving as a preacher or an elder, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. There will always be distractions or obstacles in our Christian lives. Despite this reality, we need to maintain our focus. We need to stay on task in serving Jesus and the church. That is how we will cope with all of these things. That is how we will find peace. That is how we will find satisfaction. Lesson two. Jesus will arrive. You know, with Mary and Martha, they must have thought it was an eternity before he showed up. But he showed up. He showed up. Mary and Martha fretted over Jesus' delay. The people mourned, and they gave up hope. When he finally arrived, their fear and their sorrow, they found that it was for nothing. Because what did Christ Jesus do? He raised Lazarus. Fast forward to us today. We fret. We get all worked up, waiting for Jesus to answer. We fret. We get all worked up, waiting for Jesus to supply. We fret. We get all worked up, waiting for Jesus to save us somehow. But just like then, today, we will find ourselves worrying for nothing. Because you see, whether in a little while, or in the end, Jesus will always arrive. Jesus will always arrive. And when he does, what happens? He brings comfort. He brings healing. He brings salvation. So for us today, in 2023, we high-tech people that got it figured out. Let's not worry. 
if it's Jesus we're waiting for, and I hope everyone in here is here and everyone is online is waiting on Jesus, he will always arrive sooner or later. And when he comes, he will take care of our concerns. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you all for your comments that you provided. Um, The reading for next week should be on the table in the foyer in about 10 minutes. So thank you all again for being here, both in person and online. Thank you.